The original creator, the manifestation of the material energy from the Supreme Lord and the subsequent creation that is called Visarga, that is going on under the direction of Lord Brahma. So that is being described here. There are many theories about the origin of the universe and the living entities therein. Uh, some theories say that there is no origin, that it's simply ever-existing. There are many different theories, both theistic and atheistic. But here in Srimad Bhagavatam, we have knowledge which is coming from the Creator. Srimad Bhagavatam is non different from Krishna, is the literary form of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And it was given by Vyas, who is the incarnation of God, for giving knowledge about God. So this is the best source of information about the creation. Just like if you want to know, if you want to know how this watch was made, the best person to find out from is the maker. Other people may have various theories that someone was cooking soup once and all of a sudden a watch came out of it. Don't say it didn't happen. It's possible. If you cook soup long enough, then definitely if you cook soup for 10 million years, there's a very good chance a Casio watch will come out of it. Right? Makes sense, doesn't it? Doesn't it make sense? No, it doesn't make sense at all. But anyway, this is what we're taught in school, more or less. That there was a primordial soup. And no one was cooking it. It was just cooking by itself. That's another thing. If you come in and you find the soup is cooking, you say, who's cooking this soup? No, just, just there, that's all. Just, you know, just soup, that's all. It's just cooking by itself. And watch out, because any moment, a Casio watch may jump out of it. Oh, well, that's good. Well, I don't have to buy one then. We can ask these uh, scientists who give these theories to you know, cook up some soup, put a few chickens in and a few different things, and, uh, you know, make, make themselves a watch and a car. Scientist is complaining, well, my car broke down, I couldn't come to work. Well, never mind, we'll just cook up some soup here, and, you know, very good chance a new car will jump out of it. You won't have to buy a new one. So these are their theories. Now, when we hear the descriptions in Srimad Bhagavatam, yes, yeah. well, I'm gonna, now I'm going to quote the Brahma Sanghita verse, but the Brahma Sanghita is 29 days, prayers by Lord Brahma, this summarizes the topics of Srimad Bhagavatam. So, yes, yaika nishvasita kalam atavalam jivanti loma vanajaja gadandana thaha vishnur mahansa eha yasya kala vishesha gulindamadi purusham tamaham vajami. This describes the origin of the universe is that somewhere far beyond our Hubble, Hubble telescopes to see, there is a place called Golok, where there's a cowherd boy called Krishna who runs around barefoot looking after millions of cows and does other things also, but he's famous as Gopal. Uh, there's an expansion from his body called Mahavishnu. 
who is uh, so large that the universe has come from his body in seed form. And when he breathes out, the universe has come from, his, from the little hole in the hairs of his body. And, and when he breathes in again, they come in again. So his whole breathing period is the time of existence of the universes. So, doesn't sound very possible either. If we say there's a, a soup bubbling away without anyone cooking it, out of which everything came. Oh, there are different theories. Everything came from nothing. That's another funny one. Or everything is simply existing without any origin. There are various theories. Uh, but then the th if we take it as a theory that there's a cowherd boy who has some tremendous potency to create universes, it also sounds not very likely from what we have seen and heard within our experience. However, taken from the scientific point of view, if we postulate that there is a creator behind everything, we'll find that all the unsolved mysteries of science regarding the creation and the workings of the universe, they all fit very nicely into this hypothesis. That everything is set up by an intelligent, all-powerful, supremely uh, yeah, supremely intelligent and powerful being. So everything fits very nicely into that. Then if you were to ask what is the nature of that being, well, such a person would have to have unlimited potency, which would be inconceivable to us because we are extremely limited. So we can't imagine what it means to have unlimited potency. So that such a person would necessarily be inconceivable. So that he is a cowherd boy that we can't deduce that why God should be a cowherd boy. But we can find out from the Shastra which tells us because the Shastra is that which is given by he who made the universe which is actually a much more, even if you take it as a theory, it's much more plausible theory than these various big bangs and little bangs and in-between bangs and one bang after another. It's it doesn't fit with any theory of creation. No explosion ever made a creation. You, don't, you see, if someone blows up a building, they'll be arrested as a terrorist. He said, well, I wanted to improve the interior design. <laughs> see, so I thought I'd just blow it up. <laughs> but uh, you're right. Someone is going on board a plane and he's found with a bomb in his baggage. So, well, I have a theory that if we just make a, just make a little explosion that it will It'll go faster. It'll, it'll, it'll make the plane, you see, with an explosion, with all that energy, it should go faster. So I'm just going to make a, it's a scientific experiment, you see. We're going to blow up the plane here and probably it'll arrive, well, you'll arrive on the ground faster. Maybe in the, you know, maybe your body will be scattered here and there in various pieces. So explosions, uh, as, from the scientific point of view, as far as we've uh, ever studied, explosions generally cause destruction and damage and not order, chaos. So it's, we can say it's a, a very special theory. We have the special theory of relativity, so we have a very, it's a very special theory that there was an explosion from which order came out of, and not only order, but so ordered that even the most simple cell in any organism is far more complex than this watch, which when it was when they first made these were very expensive when they first made these watches. And it was considered a, a tremendous breakthrough in technology to make a watch like this. But they didn't even have them that small. Not this it was like this thick the first ones. First commercially manufactured ones. So it took many technologists, many years of research to make this using all their intelligence, and they weren't blowing up pieces of plastic and steel. They were trying to put it together in a, in a very fine and ordered way, which they eventually did, and they made this. So to say that out of explosions and chaos 
and without any direction the whole cosmos with its especially the organic entity within it that they have come into being by chance it's not at all scientific Hello how many years you have to study to get your MBBS 7 years or something 6 years you have to study and then you're a beginner in understanding how the body works and if you specialize in any area then you could spend a whole lifetime specializing and you want to study even though one brain surgeon I'm speaking to he was telling me that actually we don't know how the brain works we say it works like this that there are impulses go from one brain cell to another but we don't actually know we don't have any proof of it it's just a theory we don't actually know how the brain works at all so it's so complex you see there's a what a big brain to be a neurosurgeon to cut other people's brains up you have to you have to have a pretty good one yourself so very good brains have been studying brains for many years and they don't know how they work and we're saying it's so the point is that it's so complex and then they're saying that it has come into being by chance it seems that the people who made up this theory they need to see a new research <laughs> have their brain reordered they may be very intelligent but apparently intelligent I mean, Darwin was apparently an intelligent person. Freud was apparently intelligent, but it's misused and misdirected intelligence because their theories are so bizarre and foolish. Even a, even a child cannot. It's, it's when you become grown up and then you get your brain filled with garbage from the educational system. It's only then that you can accept such theories. It's only when you've been screwed up by the school system. for several years that you're going to even begin to accept such ridiculous theories otherwise a child would uh, if you tell a child how is it the child asks how is the, the child naturally they ask such questions well how is everything coming to being and if you tell them that you know someone cooked up some soup and and then there was someone threw a bomb in the soup and this <laughs> and then you know that's how it all came into being even the child would say you need to see a neurosurgeon <laughs> But then when you become more intelligent you go to school and then you hear the names of these great scientists and then you, you think oh really oh Darwin said we descended from monkeys oh really you see such a great authority must be true so modern education means how to become more foolish and even more foolish than simply being foolish is that you become proud of being such a big fool <laughs> the symptom of a fool is that he's he's proud like a donkey he's proud i'm a, i am a donkey you see there's absolutely nothing to be proud about you see in human society if you want to insult someone you say you're a donkey but the donkey is thinking i'm a donkey so someone is thinking you see i've got my bsc MSc I've got so many qualifications and now I can go door to door and beg for a job by which I can I can work for 80 hours a week and earn a lot of money and get a heart attack at the age of 30 but I'll have enough money to go to America for my bypass surgery and then I can come back and say well I just came back from America for my bypass surgery and be very proud about it so this is my foolishness So anyway as the followers of Krishna the supreme personality of godhead and especially as the followers of Srila Prabhupada agyanati nirandhasya gyanam janashalakaya chakshurunmilitam yena tasmay shri gurave namaha who opened our eyes which were blinded by the darkness of the gods well fortunately we don't accept all this garbage which is called modern education we accept not modern education they think modern means better but we accept ancient education 
not modern education. Ancient education means Tene Brahma Hida his knowledge was first imparted to Brahma at the time of creation. And the same knowledge is recorded here in Srimad Bhagavatam and we're still studying and it hasn't changed. What is a fact doesn't change. It's not that Krishna imparted the knowledge to Brahma at the time of even before the creation. But now we have to do more research and find out something different. That's an old theory that Krishna imparted knowledge to Brahma and then Brahma made the creation. That's an, that's an old theory. We need a new one. We need to be modern. You see, just like in the modern age, you have this idea. You always have to have a new style of fashion. They're fashion designers. And I find so many men, actually usually Brahmins, they, they very proudly tell me, my daughter is a fashion designer, as if it's something to be proud of. But uh, there's no need. Why, why do you need to change fashion? It's just, just you wear a dhoti or a sari and uh, that's all. You, know, you don't need to change the design. You just waste your energy thinking of new ways to dress up a bag of bones. It's already, it's already there. You should use your energy for understanding why you got this bag of bones in the first place and how you don't, why you don't get another bag of bones in the future instead of having to decorate it in various ways. This modern idea that we should always change, do something different, be an individual, show yourself what you can do, get a prize for innovation, is all nonsense. What is a fact is a fact, it doesn't change. 2 plus 2 equals 4. There's no need of a modern theory. We've now we discovered. We've made some new advanced research and we discovered 2 plus 2 equals 5. It's wrong. It may be advanced foolishness. And that's the, that is their advanced foolishness. That they want to make more and more theories. They have, more, they have so many different ideas. But there are always, the scientists have so many different ideas, but they're always averse to the idea that there is a God in control. Why is that? It's not scientific. If we accept it as a hypothesis that there is a supremely intelligent and powerful person by whom everything is created and maintained and ultimately destroyed by, who has set up the laws of nature, they're so busy studying the laws of nature, but they don't think, how have they come into being? We don't think that how can such complex laws come into being except by, they, they say it must be set by some chance, but why don't they even investigate the possibility that there is a supremely powerful God in control? Because they're demons. They're not objective. Science is wrongly presented as being objective. It's not at all objective. It's extremely conservative, just like the, in your allopathic medicine. Now they're slowly allowing some things in, but generally they don't, other theories like Ayurveda or naturopathy or homeopathy, there's so many differences, but they, it's like taboo, isn't it? You're just, you're just not allowed, here it's just, it's not allowed, it's not, it's not scientific. You know, why? If it works, whatever works, is that's scientific. But because they can't explain it, then they consider it's non-scientific. Because they have this whole attitude, they want to control nature. And if I don't, un if I don't understand it, then it can't be a fact. This is childish foolishness. It is not the symptom of a person who is truly interested in knowledge. It's a, a symptom of a person who wants to show him, who wants to acquire knowledge for the sake of showing himself to be very knowledgeable. But a person who's actually interested in knowledge he must by all means try to find out what is the actual fact. And he, do, he doesn't close himself to, up to any system of knowledge because it doesn't fit within his dogmatic parameters. In fact, even in science, all the advances or so-called advances have come because people didn't think dogmatically. If Einstein thought dogmatically, then there would have been no Einsteinian theories. We'd still be stuck in the Newtonian physics. 
But they, they have still, I mean, even if you take the, the great innovators in science, there's in, in the Western system of science, there's, they're stuck in the mindset that it has to be understood by our brain. That we can only accept as knowledge that which is understood by our brain. But axiomatically we should accept that the beginning of understanding advanced, really advanced knowledge is to understand the limits of our, our ability of our brain to find out and to understand. We, there's this uh, a priori assumption that everything must be understandable by our brains. Why? Why should we presume that everything is understandable by our tiny brains? Rather, it would be, it would be more intelligence to assume that there is so much knowledge which is not understandable by us because we are such tiny living beings. Our senses are extremely limited, our intelligence is limited. Although it's said that man is a rational animal, we see that most people act in most irrational way most of the time. Most people spend their whole lives chasing after go foolish goals. Uh, then also, even we have <coughs> limited intelligence, lack of rationality, <coughs> imperfect and limited senses, and again, our sphere of perspective is extremely limited. We're tiny little beings on a tiny little planet. In a cosmos so vast, we don't know what are its limits. And yet we have this a priori assumption that Knowledge is something that, that we can have knowledge of everything. And we should only accept as knowledge that which we can understand. So the very, the very initial assumption of getting knowledge by the ascending process, which is the atheistic or modern system or scientific system or even any system of, not only science, but any any system of knowledge in the, which comes from the Western world. Philosophy also, which we have so many philosophical theories which are always changing. And even those who apply their uh, intelligence to understand the Vedic system, there are different, what are called Vedic schools of philosophy, the Sankhya, Yoga, all these different systems. But they are also, they are applying their intelligence, although they accept that they superficially accept the Vedic knowledge, but they do so in a manner of trying to understand through their own intelligence. So actually the only proper system of knowledge is that which accepts the limits, uh, the, the tremendous limits. We have so limited intelligence and powers of perspective. Uh, we're so much limited. So the, the only proper system of knowledge is the Bhagavad system, that we accept our limitations and take knowledge from the proper source. So here it's described how the creation is going on. Now there's no way for us to experiment to find out. You can't find, you can't make any experiment to find out how the universe came into existence. And you can. Nor at such a remote time later can we find out by, by any experimentation. We can only make assumptions. We can only guess. When we say we make assumptions, that means guessing. In science, they have these words like hypothesize, and there may be so many words, but what it basically means is they're guessing. That's all. They have big, long words. What was that word you were using the other day for... for to, you, you're saying some word and you're using it in science, and I said, what does that mean? To peristalsis, yes, and what does that mean? To move. Oh, okay. So they have a... <laughs> they have peristalsis, meaning to move. But in medicine you can't say a word that other people can understand. So you have this word that when the doctor comes in, well it seems your peristaltic, um, peristaltic system isn't, what does that mean? You can't pass stillness. <laughs> of course there may be other kinds of movements, not only stool. But uh, like this, they're big, big words, but basically they don't really know what they're talking about. And then they know some things. But the really important question is, why is everything existence? Where has it come from? 
Actually, they don't even know the proper questions to ask. They always ask. Once Prabhupada met with some philosophers in South America, some so-called philosophers. And they asked the question to Prabhupada, and they said, that, well, the real question is, they said, why, why is anything in existence at all? And Prabhupada said, that's the wrong question. You asked the wrong question. That's not the The proper question is, where has everything come from? So they don't... The proper question is, where has everything come from? And then, then you can begin, then other questions can come later. So really, it's a very bewildered society. Very bewildered society. And when we read Prabhupada's books, we can see how Prabhupada, with clear vision, transcendental knowledge, he's able to see through all his big fog of so-called knowledge, which is actually ignorance, and give the actual fact that light comes from life book that just cuts through all the hodgepodge and, and exposes the cheating going on in the name of science and gives the actual facts. That book was a revolutionary at the time because, I mean, still in India, people are in this big science. Science. It's so wonderful. I think it's beginning to fade out a bit now as people are, especially people who are born in well-to-do families and are brought up with the best education and the best everything, they're understanding that all this modern advancement, it's not as wonderful as it's made out to be. It's actually a cause of great suffering. But at that time, when Prabhupada was, Prabhupada was a little a bit ahead of, of the rest of society, who just, just around that time, actually, people started to realize that this science is just a big... Not that it's all a bluff, but the, the whole, the whole, what do you call that? The whole hype that goes with science. That's what it is. It's a hype. It's blown up to be something much greater than it is. And for all that, in the post-Second World War, Europe and America, there's all this thought of, now we're going to develop science, and it's going to make a better world, and everything's going to be wonderful, and the scientists that are best friends and they know so many things and they're giving all the answers which previously we believed in religion and religion's a failure and now science is giving all the answers which religion couldn't do and there's all this baloney. You know baloney means it means bakwas. All this nonsense being. And the people were in this big illusion that yes, everything's going to be so wonderful see the scientists, they're making everything. So are we going to make more progress and then science is going to make the whole of society so wonderful and life is going to be just unbelievably wonderful for everybody. But the actual result is just the whole of human society is in chaos. No one's happy. And for all the so-called pro whatever so-called progress we made with science was that great expense so that most of the, in, in the developed world, they call it developed, everyone's living in polluted, everyone's constantly breathing in polluted air, no one even knows what fresh food tastes like. There are so many diseases caused by modern life, by the modern way of life. No one is happy that there's all these modern diseases coming on all these syndromes, hypertension, and <coughs> so many things. Tension. In Telugu they say tension, right? Isn't it? They say tension in Telugu? They don't say. They don't say in every other Indian language they say. Tamil and Hindi, Mujayabhu, tension like that. It's, it ended the language because it wasn't there before. And there isn't any word in the traditional Indian languages. But it's, it's a modern phenomenon. Phenomenon. So this is what we have. We have so much tension. And I have to go to work. And at work there's so much pressure on me. And then when I come home, my wife, she's also been undergoing so much tension because she's also at work. And then she has to come home and then TV's blaring and the kids are screaming. And 
the the work and you come home and it's also more tension and it's 24 hours and then you can't sleep at night because you have too much tension and then you wake up in the morning and you have more because you couldn't sleep from the very beginning and then you find you see you see early morning people that shout the husband and wife they're shouting at each other and the, the man is shouting at his kids and the kids their intention also and this is modern life and they call this program agnosticism from human society we wanted to give knowledge this is knowledge this is knowledge to give actual knowledge who is the supreme controller but there is a supreme controller who is that supreme controller what is our relationship why we are suffering because of lack of knowledge of that relationship so this is being described here in bhagavatam the process of creation how the creation is going to naturally people ask a philosophical inclination they want to know but nowadays no one has a philosophical inclination they're not thinking and where is everything come from they're thinking uh, you know people are interested in learning the, about the cinema stars and politicians and sports people and enjoy the good life they're, they're so foolish they're still advertising the good life we saw some advertisement as we were coming there's some guy holding a, a basketball the good life basketball probably because that's popular sport in America they think we should be like America the good life they think it's so foolish they think people in America are happy who's been to America you've been to America anyone else so did you see the people that just like swooning in ecstasy on the streets there they're so happy they're playing basketball that's what they're You know, I was playing basketball, all of a sudden I was jumping to catch and I became stunned in ecstasy because I was so happy. He had to retire prematurely from basketball because of constant paralysis on the field caused by ecstasy. Caused on the field, on the court. And people are not happy. Not at all, you see. Go to New York and you see the big fat cops swaggering around with their guns. So that's for controlling the people. Because there's so much. Of course, they improved the crime situation in New York now. They did something. But basically, uh, people are not happy. There's so much tension and suicide and divorce and drug abuse in the schools. In most schools in America, the uh, children are searched for weapons at the gate of the school. It's like if you go on the airplane and get searched. At the school, they search for weapons because it's, it's very dangerous going to school in America. There's so many cases of someone smuggles a gun into the school and shoots everyone there. So these are symptoms of a not a happy society. Extremely disturbed. Extremely disturbed. And people in India are so foolish, they think this is the good life. I mean, you had the good life before, you fools. That was that this life, that is the Vedic way of life. That you live simply and you make the center of your life. Bhagavad Bhajan. Even from a material point of view, it's a much better life. You'll have better food. Nowadays, you practically you can't get good chapatis because they have the new kind of seeds. Previously, that the old traditional kind of wheat. didn't have so much yield, but the chapatis had so much flavor and so much nutrition. Nowadays you get the chapati, you leave it for five minutes, it becomes dried up. There's no flavor. They had such nice life. The people were more or less content. And I was just in a village in Karnati, everyone there, they're so strong. They're strong people. Still very... Of course, nowadays, even in India, every, all agriculture, it's all business. It's, people don't produce their own food. They're growing cash crops and then they, they go to the city 20 kilometers away and buy vegetables. Or they come from the, they come from the, they grow the vegetables in another village and then mass production. And then they, when people go from village to village selling and they can grow it themselves, but they're growing cash crops. It's a whole thing is insane. Kalman, his vision was to change society, to bring it back to some kind of sanity. 
Mike is when and Robert wanted that the the role of the Indian way of life, this should be the role model for the whole not this modern Indian way of life, rascal way of life, but the traditional model. He wanted that. As a role model for how people can live simply, produce their own food, live healthily, and not have to work eighteen hours a day. Not that the wife has to go to work also. But uh, live a sane life and be centered on God realization. So it's a very great task of the Krishna conscious movement. We shouldn't mistake that this Krishna conscious movement is something. There's so many Hindu groups. You'll see Chinmayananda and this Ravi Shankar has come up. Anyway, I want to comment just now about that. And all representing himself as a spiritual person. And so many, you shouldn't think that this Iskon Hare Krishna movement is another Hindu group. Just like this Ravi Shankar, he gives this idea how to relax and how to cope with modern life. But Prabhupada's idea is kick out the whole rascal modern life. Get out of this system altogether. Get out, go back to Godhead. So we shouldn't think that the Krishna conscious movement is just another Hindu group. But it's meant for reform and revolution, first at the individual level. First at the individual level, give up your meat, your fish, your eggs, your gambling, your intoxication, your tea, your coffee, your cigarettes, your pan, your TV, your nonsense ideas. Man is descended from monkeys. Give up sleeping till seven or eight o'clock in the morning. Rise early, chant Hare Krishna. Even your pants and shirts are not required. Better wear a dhoti rather than you put on the same pants every day, day after day. Filthy dirty. Actually, this is stupid. Don't mind me saying so. But India is a very hot country and you're wearing these polyester or terry-cotton pants which are so hot and you feel ashamed to be in a dhoti which is natural for this kind and very cool. It's insane. So, our movement is meant for giving sanity. So, sanity means rise early in the morning, chant Hare Krishna, put on tilak, wear dhoti or sari or whatever, not, not this modern fashions and so many different things. And make the goal of life to understand Krishna. This is sanity. And this modern way of life work like an ass. Double ass, more foolish than the you're more foolish than the ass because the ass anyway is an ass. But you're a human being. You're supposed to be more intelligent, and that you're not, you're imitating the ass means you're actually more foolish than an ass. So, Krishna conscious movement is meant to make people, first of all, sane, and then make them into human beings by giving a human way of life instead of eating meat and blood and. People eat lobsters, sausages. I saw recently in, in Madras they're advertising sausages. You know what sausages are? They get some old rotten meat and they stick it in they stick it inside the skin, which is actually the intestines of different animals. Hare so, Krishna. You're eating pig's intestines. This is this will all come in India in due course of time. Because you have to be like the Westerners. So Krishna conscious movement is meant for giving intelligence, human way of life, and most elevated way of life. Most we, we think we want to be sophisticated. Sophisticated means the Vedic way of life, which means, for instance, not having an attached bathroom. You go in the field and you pass through and wash your backside, you want to take a bath. Whereas modern way of life, you go to the attached bathroom, press the flush, which doesn't work. And then you leave it a stinking stool there and come out and uh, wipe your backside with some paper because you have to be westernized and uh, smear the stool all over your backside and then pull your pants up which you've been wearing for the last two weeks and uh, then you go out and you might just wash your hands if there's any water to wash it with because you're modern. So Krishna conscious movement is meant for giving a brain. Back in 1976 or 7, there was a big court case against ISKCON in New York that the Hare Krishna devotees are brainwashing 
sometimes they say that here in India also when we want the when the young men start to chant Hare Krishna, the parents protest, you are brainwashing my son. So Prabhupada when he heard this he said, we are not brainwashing, we are brain giving. You don't have any brain. <laughs> he said, but if you want to say brainwashing, that's also true. Because your brain is full of stool, it requires to be cleaned. So that's the fact. Prabhupada wasn't in any illusion about this modern society, so it's just a fantastically nonsensical that the people are so proud of their advanced knowledge that we descended from monkeys. And they're advertising this is the pinnacle of science, you see. Now we have discovered that there were there was a big explosion and then some cells formed out of that. And then the cells formed themselves. Wait a minute, they're not. Then then it cells. And then they all came together and then there was a fish, and then the fish got washed on the shore, and then when it got washed on the shore, some legs grew by chance. Some fish that got washed on the shore were mating, and one of, the, one of them, which somehow survived on the land, uh, gave birth to a mutant fish which had legs, and then it mated with another mutant fish which had legs, and then that started the species of lizards. And so on and so on. I mean, just, just ridiculous. The whole thing is just bizarre. Their theories. So this Bhagavad Kata is meant for giving knowledge. You see that they're advertising here their Bhagavad Kata or Gita Jnana Yajna, but they're not. They don't. They're just doing Kata. They're telling it as some story. They're telling it, and you'll find many times the person is telling the Bhagavad Kata. He doesn't actually have faith in all these things. It's his job, you know. And my father, he was a kataka, so he taught me, and you know, we all give a kata, and then you play the harmonium a little bit, and sing a few songs, and cry a little bit, and then people come up and they all give you a hundred rupees, and you know, this way you run on the family. You don't have faith in it. For them it's a business. But for Prabhupada, he wasn't just uh, his, some kind of show, but he was seeing this is knowledge. Srimad Bhagavatam is meant for giving knowledge of our existential position. What's going on in this universe? Why are we here? Why are we suffering? It's not just meant for some kind of uh, sentimental gathering of old ladies. Bhagavatam is meant for giving knowledge to... <laughs> Bhagavatam is meant for giving knowledge to the most intelligent people in human society who want to understand what is philosophical truth. This is what Bhagavad is meant for. But they, they think, oh, we're very religious. We're having a Bhagavad Kata. But the real, the real knowledge of Bhagavad needs to be spoken among these so-called intellectuals. They can understand the so-called intellectuals who are misleading society with their wrong ideas. With all these so-called intellectuals, they're all in the pay of these big companies who uh, they like to promote adharmic theories because it's very, they like to promote atheism because if people are interested in God then they won't buy their stupid machines that people we don't actually need. They won't, they won't buy their TVs and watch all this rubbish if they become theistic. So it's not good for the economy for people to actually be in knowledge. It's better that they're in ignorance. So the intellectuals, uh, they're in the pay of these big companies. They can't survive, that's what Prabhupada said, you get a university degree, it just makes you into a dog, that's all. You get a degree and like a dog goes to his master, goes looking for a master, please look after me. Because without a master, I can't survive properly. So like that, you get a degree and you go to try to get a job. So they're, they're so proud of being intellectuals, but actually they're just, they're, they're made into the, their mentality is like that of a dependent animal. And the dog, just like when the master, whatever the master does, he has to accept and wag his tail. That whatever you do is good. So the same way the intellectuals, they have to support the whole system which is, which is systematically promoting ignorance in the form of, and representing it as knowledge. So it's all, it's all going on. With the, with the intellectuals, they're just paid hirelings. 
of big rascals and demons. So this distributing these books at actual knowledge is actually very revolutionary to get this knowledge. But we, but we also shouldn't present it as a sentimental matter. We should present, this is Bhagavad Tattva Vidyanam. This is scientific knowledge of the Absolute Truth, Mukta Sangasya Jayati, by which we can be liberated from illusion. Now that uh, it's just some uh, sentimental show. Otherwise, uh, like I'm saying, they already have these Bhagavad Katakas. They already, they're trained from birth in this sentimental show. We can't be as good as them. They're already, they're already there and they're trained up. They have it in their blood. Generation after generation, they're doing it. So we don't, there's no need of more of this kind of cheating, the source of everything. Right beginning. And then the details are described, just like the creation of the Kumaras and others. The details, Atra Saga, Visaga. This is Visaga. Everything comes from Krishna, but he doesn't personally oversee the creation of the cosmic manifestation. That is what is deputed to Brahma. That is being described here. Hare Krishna, I'm finishing here. Is there any question about this? No. Okay, Hare Krishna. <laughs> Yeah, some people in our movement say that we shouldn't speak as strongly as Prabhupada did. Yes, I'm aware of this. Um, a few years ago I published a book called My Memories of Srila Prabhupada in which there was a long essay called On Speaking Strongly in Prabhupada's Service because I was fed up of people telling me I shouldn't Prabhupada always said, speak as I am speaking, and I was fed up of people telling me that I shouldn't speak as Prabhupada was speaking. So I wrote an essay with more than a hundred quotes, mostly from Prabhupada, also from Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasar, Thakon, Gorki, Shortas, Babaji, why we should and must speak strongly. And those who don't want, well, let them do what they like and say what they like. But my duty as a disciple of Srila Prabhupada is to follow his instruction, as he has given it not how someone else interprets it. Or even if you say that, well, I think Prabhupada said like this, well, I'm also Prabhupada's disciple, and I think he said like this, and here's my evidence, one, two, 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 more than a hundred quotes. So, you do what you like. If you think that you know, we should be fair to everyone, then you be fair to me also. And let me, if you think everyone, we should respect everyone's opinion, then you respect my opinion, and my opinion is your opinion is rubbish. So you should respect that. What to do? What to do? There are so many compromises. We should say everything in an acceptable way that everyone will like it. It will never be that everyone will like it. If you say that, well, we should just speak very softly and everyone will like it, I won't like it. I'm also a person. I don't like your, your sentimental approach. Why don't you speak to satisfy me? So, let me get ultimately is emotional, so it's not that... I mean, there are different kinds of lectures also. You see the verse here is dealing with creation. If it was deep, there, there are also, right here in the third canto, there's much description of Krishna's pastime. So, personally, whatever the verse is and the purport, I try and speak on that. So if it, if it had been... I don't think it comes in this volume, is it? Is it? No. Where there's description of Krishna's pastimes in Vrindavan and outside of it. If it had been that, then most likely I would have spoken something about that. So it's all there. But uh, we should also follow in the footsteps of Prabhupada 
see how he was preaching and see that Prabhupada, definitely Prabhupada's emphasis was on giving the basic knowledge to human society. And if we only talk about rasa, kata and all these kinds, if you don't have a solid basis, then you become a sentimentalist. Srimad Bhagavatam is ultimately, it's, it's there's Bhagavatam Vigyanam, but it's declared as being a book of ras, Tibetan Bhagavata Rasa Mahalayam. We should drink the ras. So the ras, there's also one kind of ras of defeating the atheists. That's also one kind of ras. Ultimately, Bhagavatam is meant for uh, appreciating Krishna. So it's not that that's not part of it. That is the essence of Krishna consciousness. But then even beyond that, that there is uh, the essence of Krishna consciousness is satisfying Krishna, not just that I will enjoy hearing about Krishna. So satisfying Krishna means in the modern age, Krishna has told us, he's come as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and come and said, Jare Dekotare Kaha Krishna Upadesh. So although in Vindavan, the Madhurya Bhav is the highest, but beyond Vrindavan there's Navadip and Audarya Bhav, the mood of liberality and compassion in giving Krishna consciousness to others. So for that, preaching is required. And preaching means we have to... It's not just a matter of attracting people sentimentally, but if we're actually going to change society, we have to change the whole... What's that word? There's a word in German. The whole way of thinking. The whole philosophical outlook, which is at the present time based on the atheistic outlook of Asatyama Pratishtante, Jagadahura Nishwaram. There's no God in control, there's no ultimate basis, there's no ultimate truth. So Prabhupada's vision was very great, very broad. But definitely in, in this today, there's, there is more influence with this. This idea that we should develop our, we should concentrate on going to the higher. I see all these books, the the pinnacle of devotion, and, and what about some basic sadhana? It's all right to know about them. You see all uh, these people reading books like the pinnacle of devotion, but you know, what about getting up in the morning and chanting around, doing some, Prabhupada is very practical, he's going to do service, do some service to the Sankirtan mission. So you can't just get a barge pole and force your way into Golok Vrindavan. You can, you can go when you're allowed to, you have to do service, become purified, do some service to the Sankirtan mission. Prabhupada is very practical on this. Don't artificially think you're a gopi. Me gopi, who? Vrindavan Parikrama scenes, shouting out. It's all nonsense, actually. Okay, I'm going to finish this. Hare Krishna. Shrimad Bhagavatam Kijaya.